We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to Talking Buffalo, featuring conversations with guests from around the world of sports, media, pop culture, and all things Buffalo, with your host, Patrick Moran. All right, what is going on, everybody? How you doing? Welcome to another episode of Talking Buffalo, part of the Blue Wire Network. I'm your host, Patrick Moran. Thank you very much, as always, for locking in, whether you're watching this on YouTube. Uh, whether you're following us on audio, I'm joined by PK from the Buffalo Sports Collective. Been a couple of weeks. We were just chatting for a few minutes here before we started rolling, and my mind is like going a million miles an hour right now. You're a podcaster. Let, let's start here, PK. All right. So you're in the content creation. I don't know if you want to call it a business, hobby, whatever we want to call it, but you're involved in this field. And sometimes, does this seem to you that? Recording a show and talking like we're doing right now, that's the easy part of having a podcast. You know what I'm saying? Like, this is the fun part. This is the easy part. The post-production, the editing, the the get the putting it up for the audio side. You guys only have you well, you have a static issue, but you still put it up on YouTube too. So you got to do that. You know, sometimes you get some clips involved, follow you when you're trying to promote the show. Follow me here, follow me there. And you got 20 different handles and shit like that. My mind is going like a million miles an hour. Anyway, how you doing, buddy? Good to good to have you on the show again. Yeah, it's good to be back. I mean, we just started video on YouTube like two or three weeks ago now. So mm-hmm. that's another added element past just like you said, getting behind the microphone and talking about stuff that you're passionate about and that you actually love. That's so much easier. I'd love to have like a crew of what, 5, 10, 15 people that does all the behind the scenes work because that's everything that the people don't see. That the people don't do this, this podcasting or like the writing articles or anything like that, just producing content that they don't see is all the work. Talking behind a microphone is like 5% of it. Everything else, the 95% of it is the the boring stuff, like the editing. Like as, as soon as we're done here, I got to go record our main show. I got to edit that one after. I got to get all the content for that one. I got to post it all over social media to get it out to people. That's that's the spot that stuff that I don't like, but that's the necessities of the podcasting world. I think that there's some fans out there, again, whether they're watching on video, whether they listen and obviously... You know, we're not going to sit here and complain too much. We're grateful for everybody who listens. It's well worth it. Just saying the, the, the work 
sometimes gets to be a lot. And I was on a show and somebody was asking me, where, well, where can we find you? And I'm starting to think of all my handles. So now I'm trying to adjust them correctly. And look, I spend a good amount of time, whether it's sharpening up the video side a little bit, doing what I can, making sure the audio sounds pretty good. You know, I spend a considerable amount of time in post-production and then I'll throw up a clip. I don't clip very often. I should, but I don't clip as often. But when I do, I'll put it up on Facebook and Twitter. But now Blue Wire, who, you know, is part of the platform that this show is uh, part of, they want us to start doing stuff on Instagram and TikTok. So now I got to find it's all new dimensions and sizes and things you got to learn. So I pretty much spent all my Monday taking a little bit of a crash course on that. So it's just like, great, more, more work. But I mean, it is worth it. It is promotional stuff. Probably shouldn't um, complain about it too much. I just, like I said, literally we started taping five minutes earlier. I'm like, I don't even know what my Twitter handle is anymore. It's just, uh, it's crazy. Anyway. Who knows if it's even called Twitter anymore? It could be X now. Yeah, right? It could be X. It could be X. All right. So for everybody who's checking us out again, thank you very much. You know, I appreciate all you guys. Um, We're going to spend a good chunk of this episode talking about some Buffalo Bills positional battles and maybe some that maybe shifted a little bit based on what we saw on the, the opening preseason game this past Saturday, um, a victory over the Indianapolis Colts. Before we talk about that game or any players, and we'll talk a little bit of Sabres too today. One of the reasons why I love having uh, PK out from Buffalo Sports Collective and you guys kick ass on your show talking not just Bills, but, you know, Sabres and, and Bandits and stuff like that is your versatility. You know, there, I have a lot of great guests on and we could talk Bills for hours, but if I bring up anything else, we start talking Sabres, they're completely lost. So that's one of the, the reasons like I, I, have, I like having you on the show. Let me ask you this though. It's different when you watch as a content creator, like you're going to talk about something. Like when you watch a Bills preseason game, you know, as a fan, if you're a fan, you lose interest pretty quick because it's a vanilla game. They're not doing a lot. The starters have a cup of coffee if they even play at all. And then you're looking at second and third stringers. And by the time the second half comes around, almost all those guys are going to be on a practice squad or someone else's practice squad or an active roster somewhere else because they're probably not going to make the team. It's kind of hard to get into a game if you're not looking for things to talk about such as we are today you know yeah i mean you're like you said you're getting into the third and the fourth quarter late in the games in a preseason versus the indianapolis colts when they're playing their third and fourth stringers and a lot of just the normal fans are tuning out or just like oh that was a nice catch there like i, I think i saw on twitter that half the crowd left because there was impending storms and stuff like that yeah. but it, i i'm i'm catching myself because this is the third season with the bills that we're covering on the show mm -hmm. uh I'm I'm noticing like oh uh, Alec Anderson's taking uh, like he's playing center now. I, I thought he was an outside lineman, and then you're going Jordan Mims is actually busting off some good rim. What normal fan knows these names or even cares right. about these names because they're not going to be on the 53 more than likely taking meaningful snaps? But you're you're the content provider, and you're trying to give the the average fan who might want to know more about the team more information even though they might not be interested in the third and fourth quarters it's funny you say that i'm thinking along those same lines it's like well ryan vandemark was on the left side and you know in the second quarter and then the right, right. now he's playing right tackle here in the third and for a comparison you know i'm a content creator my wife's a fan i'm pretty much a casual fan and for perspective by the end, maybe the beginning of the third quarter, I'm sitting there, I got a notebook out or I'm tweeting. She's literally on the couch, sleeping her face off. 
<laughs> That's what my wife was doing too. She likes the Bills games because she falls asleep right around halftime. Yeah, and look, there are, there are plenty of fans too who are into you know the whole team and they will pay attention to the whole game, but not the casual fan, not the average fan. Uh, before the Bills start, uh, before we get in the Bills, I should say real quick, um, some actual news. So we're taping this so we're close to dinner time on Monday for a, a Tuesday audio drop. Uh, Zeke Elliott just signed with the New England Patriots. Uh, big name. I want to get your thoughts on this. And again, this just happened literally a couple minutes ago. I'll tell you this. It's kind of funny. And I understand why. Everyone's talking about Miami and everyone's talking about the Jets as the biggest threats to Buffalo, as they should be. Not as much New England. Um, I don't know how good they're going to be this year, but I'll tell you, they went out quietly and no one's talking about them. But they added Mike Gusecki, who's a good tight end, who's had a lot of success in the past against the Bills. Um, they got Juju Schuster who instantly becomes their best receiver. And, and now they add Zeke Elliott. Don't know. He's only 28 years old, which sometimes it feels like he's in his 30s because it just feels like he's carried that ball so much for Dallas his first handful of years. Feels like there's a lot of uh, tread already gone on those tires. But anyway, Zeke Elliott to the Patriots. Uh, your thoughts on that? And just, uh, I, I guess, the, the Patriots as a whole right now. I mean, as a fantasy football player who's got a draft coming up on Sunday, mm. I hate it. Because Stevenson might have been there for me at the turn. And now I have to consider what I do there. I mean, in football, like actual NFL fandom for the Buffalo Bills, I think I like this better because that means more than likely Ramondre Stevenson's coming off the field, who I think is their best player. And going through all the training camp in the first preseason week, I'm going, they haven't added anybody to that backfield. Stevenson's going to be like a third, three down back all year long. He's going to be the pass catcher back there. He's going to be between the tack, the, the between the 20s. He's going to be the, the red zone guy. And I think he is the biggest threat to that team. And if you know anything about the Patriots, they love to run the ball, especially if you got, you know, Mac Jones, who's looking to rebound off a bad year when he had two defensive coordinators as his offense coordinator. But I think this might actually harm the Patriots more than benefit them because, like I said, you're taking their best weapon off the field and putting a guy that has a ton of mileage. Yes, he's still a a decent red zone threat, so that might benefit them then there. But I, I think they needed a guy that can help them between the 20s more than a guy that is going to help them in the red zone because how often are they going to be in the red zone to threaten teams because I just don't, it, I might be completely wrong. And Bill Belichick has always found a way to get the best out of his players, even if the quality is not there, but I, I actually like this. I also would have liked Delvin cook to the jets also, cause that meant Brees Hall is off the field more. So these kind of type of signings I like more cause it's getting their better players off the field more often. Yeah, for sure. I tell you, you have to wonder if this was literally his only offer because I mean, he's, Stevenson's firmly entrenched. He's that feature back. I am far more, I don't want to say concerned, far more interested in, in seeing what happens with Dalvin Cook because it still seems like it's the Jets or the Dolphins. I mean, the Patriots, there was a, a little bit of buzz about them, and clearly they were looking for a running back because they just signed uh, Zeke. But, uh, yeah, I think Dalvin Cook is a, a better running back and a bigger threat. And, um, yeah, if he goes to Miami or the Jets, it's going to be a good get for, for either of them. But I still, I look at the Jets. Kind of what you just talked about, like you know, Stevenson, you know, Zeke touching the ball, getting those touches may actually hurt them a little bit. I kind of feel like, I mean, again, Dalvin Cook is better and we're reacting to this in real time. So I'm kind of talking this out 
to myself, but like if he went, for an example, to the Jets, and I know he's he might not even be fully 100% by week one, but I think Brees Hall is a stud. I think he's a great running back. So I'm kind of almost like, all right, you, you know, get to week four, week five, whatever. You want to take some touches away from, from Brees Hall? I think I'd be good with that, you know? Yeah, get get the best players off the field anytime you can. And I, I think Cook still has more miles left to give than Zeke, but I thought last year he kind of took a step back. He had those explosive runs. Like you could tell he still has it, but it seemed like he was nearing the end of his career. So he, I, I agree with you. I think he has more skill left than Zeke does, but he's still a far less threat to the, the offense or the, the other, the opponent's defense than Brees Hall is. So send him to the jets. I'm perfectly fine with that because it gets <laughs> Brees Hall off the field. Yeah, I agree. All right. So before we do jump into some bills talking, like I said, I kind of want to focus on some of the standout in my opinion, at least anyway, I want to get yours as well. Some of the standout performances from over the weekend and some guys who might've helped themselves and definitely a guy, a couple guys who maybe they hurt themselves a little bit. We'll get into that before that though, real quick. Just want to let everyone know, watching or listening right now, we will be live from Imperial Pizza on Thursday night. I'm really excited about this show. I'm going to have not one, but two of uh, the best Buffalo Bills beat reporters in the game. They're going to be with me, uh, Catherine Fitzgerald from the Buffalo News and Elena Getzenberg from ESPN.com. They're both going to be joining me live from Imperial. If you live in the area, want to get up there, meet Cat or Elena. We're going to do the show at 8 o'clock. So get up there a little before that or after if you want to meet them. That'll be a fun one. Um, ladies night on Talking Buffalo here Thursday night at Imperial Pizza. Really looking forward to that one. All right, Bill's talk here. Who, or, or let's start here. Let's start with the quarterback position only because it's obviously the most talked about position. And I don't like to react too much from one game, PK, but I went to five training camp practices over the course of what was it, 11, 12 days, wherever, however long they were at Rochester for. And I said repeatedly, whether it was on Twitter or on the show, I just something about Kyle Allen, I just didn't click for me. And it continued in the Saturday. I thought he had a pick six, although to be fair, that wasn't that play wasn't his fault. He just forget the numbers, throw them out the window. He didn't look comfortable. Matt Barkley did. Matt Barkley put up great numbers. I think he had one, it was 14 or 15 for a buck 72, two touchdowns, no picks, only got sacked once. But even more than the numbers, he just he was also playing against third stringers while Kyle and second stringers, whatever, though. I'm these are still professional football players. Point being is this Kyle Allen did not look comfortable. Matt Barkley looked extremely comfortable. Uh, what were your thoughts on that? And after the game, he was John McDermott was asked point blank, is there a quarterback competition behind Josh Allen? And his answer was yes. So there is one going on right now. What are your thoughts based on what you saw on Saturday? Um, are you concerned heavily about Kyle Allen? Do you have a little more confidence in Matt Barkley, or is this the same thing we've seen in previous preseasons where he could look really good? And uh, potentially this team, maybe they look to the outside at, at a couple of veteran options too. What are your thoughts on the quarterback position behind Josh now that we got a preseason game in the rearview mirror? Yeah, I mean, I was actually more shocked that Sean McDermott would go out of his way and said, yes, there's a quarterback competition at the second quarterback spot, because that's, I know he always preaches you want competition and the best players will come out on top and all that kind of stuff. But for him to come out and just say it, especially after a game like that, 
it it seemed like it was more of an indictment on Kyle Allen than maybe a a, a boost of confidence for Matt Barkley. I mm-hmm. think Matt Barkley is a very reliable guy back there. I, I coming up on this Saturday, I'm hoping they flip flop it. I'm assuming Josh Allen's not going to be playing again. I would like to see Barkley play against the ones and the twos against the, the I don't even know who they're playing on Saturday. I haven't even thought that Pittsburgh. far ahead yet. Pittsburgh. That's right. On the road. Yeah. I think um, I, I would like to see Barkley against the, the ones and the twos and Kyle Allen versus like the twos and the threes in the second half and give them that opportunity just to see how Barkley reacts because Yes, he was 14 to 15. He looked very comfortable back there. He's also been in the system much longer than Kyle Allen has. But mm-hmm. I'm, I wasn't, no matter what happens, if Josh Allen has an extended injury, this season's done. So it doesn't really matter. But you're looking for a guy who can get them through two, three, four games. I'm not sure if Kyle Allen can do that yet. I know I, I wasn't at any of the camp practices, but the things out of there, he was having struggle with the, the offense, running the plays. I don't know if he doesn't know the full playbook yet. but. I'm I'm open to Barkley beating beating him out, but if Barkley's beating him out, I think you got to look elsewhere because I think Barkley at this stage, I think he's a good emergency quarterback. I don't think he's a good backup right now, but I love him in the room. So you'd want him on the team. I just don't think he's a QB two at this point. I agree with pretty much everything you said. And look, as somebody who did see camp, yes, he's new to the system. I'm talking about Kyle Allen here, new to the system. A lot to learn, a lot to take in. So to some extent, I can understand. But listen, routes, simple route tree plays during practice or um, some segments, just throwing the football behind receivers, high, low, telegraph passes. The ball just looks slower coming out. Maybe it's just because I'm spoiled and I've seen so much Josh Allen and the way the ball comes out of his hands. And I... I'm close, and this might be an overreact. I'm known to overreact and knee-jerk react. I do it all the time. I know it. Um, it is what it is. I'm close to being out 100% on Kyle Allen right now. I really am. And I agree with what you said. Actually, I don't agree with what you said. because only and The only reason why I say that is this. If it's for a, a legitimate quarterback number two competition, sure, maybe. But I feel like Sean McDermott, Ken Dorsey, you already know what Matt Barkley is. Whether he's playing against the threes, the twos, or even if he's starting a game, you already know what he is. We've seen it. You know, he's played NFL action with the Bills. He's and he started a game. I know he won a game as a starter. I know another game he came in when Josh had, I think it was against New England, and it was against New England, a home loss a couple of years ago, and he was just absolutely horrible. Anyway, good or bad, you know what you're getting with Matt Barkley. I still want to see more from Kyle Allen. I hope I want to see him play against the starters, assuming. I'm assuming Josh is not playing as well, but I'm not a hundred percent confident. If they are going to get, if the starters are going to get some action, I think I don't know this. It's early in the week. Maybe we'll know more tomorrow or midweek. I feel like if the starters are going to play like Stefan and Josh, um, it probably would be this this game as opposed to the last game because they only have three preseason games now. So maybe Josh plays a series or two. But anyway, I want to see more Kyle Allen against better competition. It's just because I'm so utterly unimpressed with him. You know what I'm saying? It's uh, I I don't know. I'm just I'm very wary, and again, I'm, I don't want to be too harsh, but I'm almost out on the guy. And veteran nope. options could be uh in play here too. I think that's a fair point. I hadn't thought about it that way, so you you got me back onto your side. I I think seeing Kyle Allen more with what he would be playing with 
Right. So you can give a better evaluation makes more sense because like you said, you already know what Bar- Mar- uh, Matt Barkley is going to give you. So putting him in the, the ones and the twos role doesn't really benefit you at all. And pushing Kyle Allen down, I mean, you're going to see better, hopefully better play with him with the twos and threes rather than the ones and the twos. So I, I think, I think I'm on your side now. You, you you converted me back to there. So I would like to see Kyle Allen play with the ones and twos just to give him <laughs> another opportunity because that might be his last chance to earn that QB two yeah. role. Because if you want a different backup, you're going to have to look and, and you want that guy in there as early as possible. I don't think you're going to go into week three preseason with Kyle Allen as your backup if you just don't trust him. I mean, I think the biggest name out there to keep an eye on is Case Keenum bring him back from Houston because they're probably going to go with the rookie Stroud. And then you already have David uh, Davis Mills, maybe one of those two. I would prefer probably case Keenum rather than Davis Mills, just because his his history with the the organization. But that's the name out there that I've seen multiple times now. Yeah. And, and again, one more time here, one game, one preseason game, some spring, some uh, springs. I'm thinking of baseball right now. Some training camp practices can't put all the stock in the world on a player. But if Kyle Allen goes out in, in preseason game number two and he's going to get action on Saturday and he shits the bed again and he plays bad, I think you have a legitimate quarterback two problem. I talked ironically on the show yesterday about two quarterbacks that were veterans. One of them you just mentioned, Case Keatum. Is Houston going to carry three quarterbacks on their active 53-man roster? I would, I would normally say absolutely not, but because they have a rookie, maybe – they do, although I think if Stroud starts the season as the number one, I think Mills is clearly the number two. They, Keaton could get cut. And somebody told me on Twitter, which I mean, take it for you know with a grain of salt. But well, why would Case Keenum want to come back to Buffalo? He could be on the practice squad in Houston. He loves Houston. He lives in the state. You know, he he likes being. He wants to be there. Uh, okay, would you rather be on the practice squad, making maybe? 10 to 15% of what you'll get paid if you're on the active roster. I think maybe there's some people out there that don't realize how much more money a player makes if they're on an active 53-man roster come 4 p.m. on Saturday for that week as opposed to being on a practice squad. So I'll give you many, maybe hundreds of thousands of dollars why Case Keenan would probably want to come back to Buffalo if the opportunity was there. And look, a year ago, we were kind of beating up Case Keenum a little bit, too, because I didn't think he was very good. But I do think he's better than Kyle Allen. Then the other guy, I want to get your thoughts on this, because I, I talked about this solo. Sam Darnold. You're talking San Francisco. You got Brock Purdy. Uh, you got Trey Lance. They might not keep, if they don't keep three quarterbacks, it might be Sam, who's uh, on the outside looking in. He's got a good relationship with Josh, which seems to be very important for Bill's backup quarterbacks, by the way. But him and Josh are boys. They've trained together. They came in the league together. Uh, would you have some interest in somebody like Sam Darnold if he, if he became available? I would. Um, my biggest question would be, would it be Sam Darnold or would it be Trey Lance that would be more open to being moved? I know that how much, you know, uh, draft True. stock they put in Trey Lance, but they don't seem to like him, trust him, want him to succeed, want to play him. I don't know what is the issue there. I just don't, maybe they see more than everybody else. I mean, obviously they do because he, they're seeing firsthand what they do with him, but he, they, they drafted him, what, two overall, third. two third, third overall, right behind they Zach Wilson. Up. Yeah. And d- they just don't, he's getting beat out by Sam Darnold. He's getting beat out by a seventh round pick and Brock Purdy. It's just, 
I, I don't know if it would be Sam Darnold that would be on the move or if it would be Trey, Trey Lance. Lance. I, if, I think- you're, if you're a GM, PK, let me ask you this. If you're a GM right now and you were in that situation, you say you're you know the GM of the San Francisco 49ers right now, you gave up a shitload to go get Trey Lance third overall. Do you stick with him because of the uh, the amount of capital that you've in resources that you've invested in him? Or do you just cut your losses, which might open you up from criticism, but you also, you know, you might get some respect and props for being, you know, unafraid to kind of cut your losses right now. That's a tough call. I agree. If they're both not there, it's no given that it's Sam Darnold. It's possible that Trey Lance who maybe has some trade value to somebody. I don't think he's going to have any real trade value to the Buffalo Bills right now, but I don't know if you're a GM, that's a tough call, isn't it? You cut, cut your losses or do you keep rolling the dice with the guy that you put so much into? I might be one of the weird ones, but I actually would respect the GMs more by admitting, hey, we made the mistake, own yeah, it, move on from up. it. But it's it's so rare that, that GMs do that because they want to try to give their draft picks every benefit of the doubt they humanly possibly can. But sometimes it just, they get it wrong. They're humans. Not every draft pick's going to pan out. Don't be afraid to admit that you were wrong on just missing on a guy. And that doesn't mean that I think Buffalo should bring in Trey Lance. I don't know if he fits the system perfectly. I think he's, I I liked him coming out of college. I thought he was going to be better than Justin Fields. Man, did I blow that one also. But I, I just, I wish GMs would be, not quicker on the trigger, but more open to admitting, hey, we messed this up because I feel like you would get a lot more respect around the league and not just, you know, dig your heels in and say, hey, I'm right about this. And you're continually being wrong and wrong and wrong year after year after year. Just own that you made a mistake, move on and try to cut your loss and make. I'm sure there's a team out there. I mean, Chicago gave up a second round pick for Chase Claypool. I'm sure there's a right. there's a team out there that would give up second, third, fourth round pick for Trey Lance. It's nothing like you gave up to get him, but it's something rather than just have him sit as your quarterback three and never play. Let me run these D. I was as you were talking, I was like, I'm not going to be able to continue talking about anything else if I don't look this up. I agree with you. I would have I would have more respect for a GM who's not afraid to take it out and move on. And I do think financially in this day and age of the NFL, it's a little bit easier to do that because, you know, 10 years ago, you would draft a quarterback, say Sam Bradford or somebody like that. Financially, the money that you had to give top of the pick quarterbacks made more money than 50 year stud multi pro bowl veteran quarterbacks. It's just the way the league worked. Now, financially, there's a cap for the rookies and it's pretty much the sailors are slotted in. So you can get away from taking a guy early if he doesn't pan out financially. But here's the deal. San Francisco, here it is, a month before the draft. They sent their 2021, 2022, 2023 first-round picks as well as a 2022 third-round pick to go get Trey Lance. They came up three ones and a two for Trey Lance. And they might have gotten a little something back too, but whatever it is, it's not even in the first paragraph of this trade. So, God. Imagine me and that GM who traded or gave up three first round picks. Well, one of them would be their own, but still they gave up. So they gave up two first round picks besides their own and a second round pick to go move up and go get a guy that what two and a half years later and one injury later is somebody that you might look to get rid of for maybe a fourth round, fifth round pick if you're lucky. Crazy. All, I can, all I can say is they wow. are very lucky. They have Kyle Shanahan as their head coach 
because mm-hmm. he can make any quarterback look amazing. Sure. If they had any other coach, I don't think that GM would still have a job giving up that amount of capital. And then the following year gave up a ton of capital for Christian McCaffrey as well. So yeah. I don't know if they have any draft picks down the road whatsoever, but it's, 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 you know, I, I like it. It's very good thing that Shane hands out there than anybody else. Cause I don't think that GM would have lasted very long. Sure. And look, when we talk about veteran players out there, 90% of the time, 95% of the time, it never is going to materialize. But in this case, a backup quarterback, I'm just saying, I think it's realistic to say the bills decide Kyle Allen is not worthy of being the quarterback too. He's not capable of staring the ship for two to five weeks if he has to, if something were to happen to Josh under those circumstances. So I, I think that's very realistic. I also think it's very realistic. Um, even though Matt Barkley played very well on Saturday, I still don't know. And I personally don't think that the bills view him as the primary backup to Josh Allen. So it is, realistic for the Bills to potentially pursue a Sam Darnold or a Case Keenum or maybe some other veteran around the league that we're not thinking of right now. I think the quarterback position right now with the Buffalo Bills is far from settled. Behind Josh, obviously, you hope none of it ends up mattering. You know what I'm saying? Because I don't like say I'm not the guy who always, you know, if the quarterback goes down, the season's over. I mean, it depends what the length of the injury is, but you don't want to see it. It could happen. I just, I'm not sold on Kyle Allen. I wasn't, and I'm even less after Saturday's game. On the flip side, I want to talk about a guy quickly here, uh, PK, that, you know, there's so many bigger players, so many names that we talk about with the Bills. Tim Settle is a guy that caught my attention at training camp this summer. Um, I thought he looked really good. I remember when he signed with the Bills last year in 2022. I was really excited about it. He came over from Washington in the book on him, and I talked to a couple reporters in Washington that I talked to regularly, and they were really high on this guy. And they said the only thing he missed with the commanders was opportunity. Didn't take him. He did not, for whatever reason, I don't know if it was coaching. I don't know if it was the way, what, what was asked of him to, on the football field. But for whatever reason, I didn't think Tim Settle played very well last year. Back to diet, quite of an uneventful, not lousy season. Um, Daquan Jones got hurt for that Bengals playoff game. Settle, you know, one of those guys you need to step up, absent. Completely absent in that game. So. And my question marks about him. They signed Puna Ford. Uh, Jordan Phillips resigns as well. He's working his way back now. Anyway, I, I thought that Tim Settle looked really good at camp, which whatever, it's practice. But on Saturday against the Colts, he looked really good too. He had a sack. He forced the quarterback right into uh, Boogie Basham for, you know, get credit for it. But he essentially was responsible for two sacks. I noticed on the depth chart before the game that he actually it was slotted ahead of Puna Ford. I don't know if you noticed that, but um, he was on the field before Puna Ford. Um, don't know what that means. Probably ultimately nothing. But anyway, I, I think Tim Settle, you know, part of uh, the deal when we evaluate these guys is have they strengthened their position on the depth chart of this roster or is it weakened? I feel like he strengthened it. Uh, I was really impressed with what I saw from him on Saturday. Yeah, I mean, uh, seeing him get the snaps before before Puna Ford was actually quite interesting to me. I thought Puna Ford was ahead of him on the depth chart, but obviously yeah. wrong about that one. But I thought early on in the game, maybe first or second drive, it seemed like the interior of the defensive line was getting pushed around a bit. I mean, they were given, not giving up huge chunks, but it wasn't like there was stuff in the running backs whatsoever. As soon as those first two ended, it seemed like they bounced back in the rest of the game. They were just on fire and Tim Settle made a huge name for himself. But early on, I was like, man, 
is Daquan Jones one of the most important players on this defensive side of the ball because they just can't seem to stuff them at the line whatsoever. It was Ed Oliver and I believe it was Tim, Tim Settle the first two drives. Yeah, Settle started, Kim. Yep, and it was it after that it just seemed like there was a switch or something that just flipped and he had probably the best game and I know it's preseason. I, I trust me, I understand, but it seemed like that was the best we've seen out of Tim Settle since he signed that contract last offseason. And I was really impressed. I had him as like the fifth defensive tackle making right. this team, it seems like he's moved up. Has he jumped over Puna Ford? It seems like he has right now. Has he jumped over Jordan Phillips, who hasn't been able to play yet because he was on the PUP? Now he's off of it, working his way back in. Could he be the third guy that's going to relieve Daquan Jones of some time back there? It's It seems like, again, one game in, but it seems like he's moving his way up the depth chart. It's a. am glad you brought that up because that's a really good point. Before we go to break here, Will the Bills keep five defensive tackles? That is a, a legitimate question. I think it's one of the few questions that we don't know an answer to right now. Like, we have no idea. And if they do, maybe two weeks ago, I would have said Tim Settle's probably that fifth defensive end, or defensive tackle, I should say, on this roster. I don't think that anymore. I didn't think that before Saturday. I definitely don't think that now. I think a guy who could be in trouble is Jordan Phillips, actually, if they only keep four defensive tackles. yeah, Very well could keep five. He's working his way, Phillips, from injury. He hasn't really done. I mean, he's back to practice, but he's, they're taking it really slow with him. Um, yeah, he gets, he, he's not reliable. I like Jordan Phillips, man. He's a, he's a streaky player. He's a splash player. But, um, yeah, he's just he's not been able to stay healthy. And guys like Tim Settle, I, I think, are taking advantage of that with a good summer. So. Yeah, and bumping Gregory Rousseau inside could sure. make it so you only have to keep four guys rather than yeah. five. Good point. All right, guys, we're going to take a quick break. Be right back. Plenty more uh, guys that we're going to talk about with the Bills in a couple minutes of uh, Sabres talk as well. So be right back. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 
All right, I am back with PK from the Buffalo Sports Collective. Before we get into any more Bills talk, by the way, tell people who might be listening or watching for the first time, like your show that you do, the Buffalo that you co-host, I should say, with Buffalo Sports Collective. Where can they find it, and when are you guys recording currently? Oh, uh, Buffalo Sports Collective, pretty much anywhere on Facebook, Instagram, Threads now. I, I think that's one of the bigger ones now. Uh, I gotta get X there. or Twitter. We're at Buffalo Sports Co. We're on YouTube. You can pretty much just search. Buffalo Sports Collective, wherever currently through, I think we were talking about it until November-ish. We're going to be just strictly Wednesdays. And then starting up middle of November, we're going to go Monday, Friday through the entire Bandit season because we try to focus mostly on the Bandits because there's not any content out there. Agreed. But we talk Bills, Sabres, you know, Bisons every once in a while. We're throwing in some fantasy knowledge. But the majority of the content will be Buffalo Bandits. And look, I, I'm glad you said that because... I enjoy your Bills and Sabres talk as well, but Bandit's content lacks badly. Literally a championship team here. And it's so weird because like the fans that are fans of the Bandits are rabid fans. You know, they're into it and they couldn't, they can't get enough. There's just not enough of them. Not enough of them. They fill up the arena, but you go anywhere else and no one ever talks about the Bandits. The Buffalo News, uh, TV stations, radio, they'll talk about the bandits when it's playoff time. Like, where is everybody in the regular season? Myself included. I'm throwing myself under the bus along with all, all these people. But anyway, a, a premier source, especially for, for bandits, Hawk Buffalo Sports uh, Collective. There's a couple guys. I, I don't want to get into, like, long conversations about them today, but I just want to throw a couple shout-outs. Uh, backup offensive tackles, uh, Ryan Vandemark and, and Richard Garage. I thought they had good games. And if there's a position that low key, you know, might be, there might be some competition. David Quisenberry, I don't think he's a lock to make this team. Um, who's the other guy? Brandon Shell that they just brought over too. I actually thought Brandon Shell played decent though at right tackle for the Bills on Saturday. Anyway, one or both of those guys could potentially get cut. These young guys uh, do have a chance. So it was, I thought it was a good showing for them. But the one guy I do want to talk about is Osiris Torrance. He got the start, played the whole first half. Um, I, I saw that PFF grades, he, he graded out really well. Um, we already know he's a good run blocker, but he held his own in the pass rush too. I thought it was a big, big step for him towards potentially becoming a starter. And I think the majority of us want to see that if for no other reason, well, he has a higher ceiling, maybe than Ryan Bates, but beyond that, Ryan Bates just feels like a great utility player, like a guy that can come in and play if someone gets hurt somewhere else. Don't know that that competition's over because you very well might see Ryan Bates play right guard on Saturday against Pittsburgh. So we'll see how that plays out. But anyway, would you agree a really good debut and a, and a, and a big step for uh, Osiris Torrance on Saturday? Yeah, I went into the game trying to make myself pay more attention to Osiris Torrance on the line. And maybe midway through the first quarter, I went, oh, crap, I'm supposed to be paying attention to this. That's what you want from an offensive lineman. Absolutely. You don't want to notice him at all. And right. I didn't notice him at all. And that's a good thing. But the other thing is when they switched over and Ryan Bates came in, Torrance was still on the field and Bates played center. And that was a big indication where I think the Bills are leaning. Again, it, we'll find out more on Saturday because if Bates plays right guard and starts there, you got a true competition that's still sure. there. But if, Otor if, if Torrance starts again at right guard, plays the same amount of snaps, and then the second line comes out, he's still there, and you got Bates over at center, I think Torrance is, I don't want to say fully locked it down because anything can happen, but I think he's got a stranglehold on that position, and that's what everybody was hoping for because I think his ceiling is so much higher than Bates. It's no shot at Bates whatsoever. I just think 
Bates is more useful being that utility guy all around the line where you rather have just Torrance grab that position and run with it. And it will also help Spencer Brown next to him because you got more. How many guys have rotated next to Deion Dawkins? And it hasn't affected him whatsoever because he's a very good left tackle. You want to solidify that right guard. I think it'll also help Spencer Brown knowing that, okay, Torrance is going to be next to me all season long, pending injuries. Just build that chemistry next to everybody. He's had the same five offensive linemen year in and year out will help them. But I, I just, he's such a mammoth of a man. It's tough. Even when he's getting pushed, they still got to get by this mass, massive human being. I just, I, I, I'm hoping that come Saturday, and this is might be selfish because I I like him so much on the offensive. I hope he starts at right guard because I think that really much pretty much solidifies him as the right guard going into the season. If he starts at right guard on Saturday, bar an injury or him playing terrible, he's your starting right guard. It's been throughout training camp, probably the thing that I was most focused one of the things I was most focused on was that battle. And you know, you hear that word positional battle, competition, whatever. This has been legit. Like, I remember going to practices. I'm like, all right, third walkthrough, first team, 11 on 11. It's Torrance. And then I'm tweeted, Torrance is with the ones. And then they'll run 11 on 11 full speed drills. And then it's Bates. They literally went back and forth. So if he's starting again in week two, then I think that competition, for all intents and purposes, is over. I agree with you. I think he has a higher ceiling. Plus, I like Ryan Bates in that kind of uh, super utility role. One of the things I like about preseason, too, is you kind of get little clues and nuggets. You pay attention to like the rotation, at least. For that week. And I thought it was pretty telling that Bates came in to play center instead of taking the second team reps with the right guard. Because if he came in and played right guard, I would have said, all right, well, they're continuing what they've been doing throughout camp. But the fact that he played center, that bodes well for, for Torrance. Doesn't bode well for Greg Mance, who, who's the third center on this team. And I think Anderson, they didn't play Saturday, but he's played some on the interior as well. But anyway, Bates coming in as that second center tells me. That's good news, put it that way. If you're Osiris Torrance and Ryan Bates is coming in with the second unit and playing center, I think that that's good news uh, for him. So good on Osiris Torrance, a, a really good debut. Two guys that I, I want to make sure I mention these guys because they're well-known players, might not be popular opinions, but two guys that I thought hurt themselves on Saturday, even if it wasn't anything blatantly bad that they did, so to speak. Uh, what Khalil Shakir's one on the offensive side and on the defensive side, Kyrie Elam. And, and let me explain myself here. On the offensive side, Khalil Shakir had a really nice route and 20 yard catch, middle of the field. That's what you want to see from him. Super shifty. Sometimes he just looks so good. And then he made a really difficult catch on third down to move the chains too along the sidelines. That was a great catch, actually. It gets you excited about the guy. And I've noticed at camp throughout most of uh, camp anyway, when the Bills start out with their 11 on 11s and there's not two tight ends. They're not running 11 personnel. They got three receivers. It's primarily been Khalil Shakir. Who's that third slot receiver makes me think, all right, well, he's pretty close to being locked in. So anyway, he makes these good plays and then he does what infuriates you. He dropped an easy third down pass. No excuse, just a bad drop. And it killed the drive. And the bills had to settle for a field goal attempt. I feel like that's the problem with him. PK is like, he looks really good. He makes difficult plays and then he blows easy places. Like I, I likened it to like being a tennis player who will hit an amazing winner down the line, you know, backhand down the line, the crowd goes nuts. And then, you know, he gets serving, he double faults. You know, he just, he's his own worst enemy is what I'm saying sometimes. And you got to be able to trust your slot receiver. 
and Saturday's a reason why I still I'm not there. And I don't know what the Bills are either. I mean, you've seen year after year after year how critical the slot receiver is for this team. You get Cole Beasley. They drafted Dalton Kincaid for that type of role also. I mean, they had to bring back Cole Beasley last year because nobody could really fill that role. I I agree with you. That catch that he made for that 20-yard reception, it was unbelievable. You see that skill level that he has. And then, like you said, easy third down pitch and catch right there, running right out of bounds. Drops the ball. It, it's it. I guess that should be come. To, it should be t- sort of expected because he is a second year player out of the fifth round, and there's a reason that he fell to the fifth round. I know a lot of people are saying they was a steal in the fifth round, but if he can get more consistent, I think the team wants to give him that role. He got the first team snaps at the slot receiver. The team wants for him to succeed and wants him to have that role. I, it's just, you got to be more consistent. You can't drop those easy balls. It's kind of goes back to, I, I know it's a different position, but Dawson Knox, he was dropping the ball all over, th- all over the place. Sure. He was rookie in second year. And then yeah. he finally, something just clicked. I'm hoping that something can just click and Shakir because he has the skill level and the talent and you see bits and pieces of it. It's just, you need to finish and make those critical catches that extend the drive because I think they just went for it on fourth down. They got the fourth down and then he drops that ball and they have to kick the field goal. It, it's, it's those type of things that might stop him from being that slot receiver and that go-to guy on third down, that Cole Beasley S type of player. Maybe it's not as critical to the Bills. Maybe it'll be a week-to-week matchup-to-matchup situation where Hardy might get more looks in the slot or even Trent Shurfield. I think Trent Shurfield's primarily going to be the guy who's on the perimeter spelling Diggs or Gabe Davis. I, and I like Trent Shurfield a lot, by the way. But I also think you're going to see I think you're going to see more and more as Delta Kincaid gets more comfortable. I think you're going to see more and more uh, two tight end, 11 personnel with the Bills. But anyway, yeah, he didn't do himself any favors with that drop. A drop like that wipes out the good that he did on Saturday. And then on the defensive side of the ball, Kyrie Lam, look, I, I, God, this guy to me has become maybe the biggest enigma on the team. And I vividly remember this. I went to training camp practice on a Sunday and I'm like, this guy borderline. I, I'm, I'm being harsh here, but my thought process at the time was this guy kind of sucks. He just looked out of place. He probably had two or three defensive holding penalties that they could have called on him. The receivers were going nuts. The coaches were yelling. Just making mistakes. And I don't know if one coverage, I don't know what it is. Anyway, so I'm like, I'm ready to write him off, man. Then I go to practice on Monday, the very next day, and the guy looks like a Pro Bowl corner. He's going one on one with Stefan. Like they were three times in a row, they did one on one drills. And Kyrie Elam did a great job. In fact, one time, and I've, and I've told this story too. So Stefan lined up in Austin, the undrafted rookie, or no, he's a seventh round rookie. The corner was out there. Kyler pretty much grabbed. Um, Austin pulls him off to the side because he wanted to go one-on-one. He wanted that rep with Stefan. They were in each other's face. They've done that a lot of camp, by the way, lovingly. If you know, they're it's a friendly rivalry. Let's just say that Stefan loves him. But anyway, they were going at it, and then he looks great. And then he looks all right, and he looks good. And it's like you can't do that if you're you know you're going to start at corner and you go on Saturday. The biggest uh, knock on Kyrie is he's handsy. Well, what the hell happens on Saturday? Dane Jackson helps his case. He starts, gets an intercept, a gift interception, but whatever. And then he's out. He's out just when Poyer and Hyde and, and Matt Milano and these guys come out at Oliver after pretty much, what, one series, one and a half series? Their, their day's done, which is good for Dane Jackson, not for Elam and Benford. Elam gets out there, his extended playing time, 
and he doesn't really do anything to stand down. And then he has a defensive, uh, a pass interference penalty, man. It's like, ah, uh, I don't know, dude. I, I'm ready to 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 proclaim Dane Jackson the starter. I know a lot of other people aren't, and it's not fun to say and popular to say, but I I just especially because he's a first round pick, PK. I'm just I don't know that that switch is ever going to come on for Kyrie Lam. I hope it does. I hope I'm wrong. Just there's something about his game inconsistent and handsy that I'm concerned about. Very. Yeah, I mean, I, I was. I'm not the biggest Dane Jackson fan. I, I didn't like him last year. I thought as soon as the ball gets in the air, it's going to come down for a reception for the wide receiver. It's just, he mm -hmm. was always in the right position and then just never made a, a play on the ball at all last year. And every time there was a reception, who's covering it? It's Dane Jackson, but he's that reliable guy that you know exactly what you're going to get from him. And with a healthy defensive back room, I think the bills are okay with that. I, I think he's, going to be like that Levi Wallace type of player where they try to replace him every year and nobody can really replace him. It's just, I, I, I just wish Kyrie Elam would just go and grab that role. They drafted him for a reason. One first round traffic. They want him to succeed. They want him on the field. I don't, again, I think he has the highest ceiling. It's similar to Khalil Shakir. He has higher ceiling than Benford and Jackson. He's just not grabbing that role. He's grabbing players and causing penalties all over the field. It's just, I, I'm not ready to write him off as a bust yet because it's only going into year two. He's got plenty of ground to make up and that's all that fair. Kind of stuff. But it's just, I, I really thought going into this season, how he finished last season, he was going to grab the number two role for the cornerback position and run with it. And you just haven't seen that. You've seen Dane Jackson be very reliable, steady guy there, not making any too highs, not making any too lows. It's just Kyrie Elam's. He's been a roller coaster nonstop, and you just want to get him. You know, just be more consistent. It, it's just same with Shakir. Just be more consistent. And you'll see more time on the field. It's just he might end up being that healthy scratch guy every Sunday, unless he can you know jump Benford in the lineup or jump Jackson. It's just it, it's such a letdown. And I'm not saying it's another indictment on Brandon Bean, but it's another draft pick that hasn't lived up to expectations yet. Again, hasn't even played a second year yet, but. With the way things are trending, it's not looking good right now. There's nothing that you want to see less than a guy that you took in the first round look like he's going to bust. And yes, it is early. And I'm going to give you an unpopular opinion too. Or I don't know how unpopular it is. Maybe that's an exaggeration. But I, I'll say this. Based on what I've seen, I actually like Christian Benford better than both the other corners. I do. I know he's a six-round pick. That's not the sexy thing to say. But, you know, Dane, they trust Dane Jackson. That, that much I'm confident in. Sean McDermott trusts Dane Jackson more. If one of these guys could show that ceiling more consistently, that's how you take over and, and overtake Dane Jackson. But to your point, I think if game one of the regular season was Sunday and the Bills are going to keep uh, three outside corners, I think that Kyrie Elam is going to be watching the game in his sweatpants and, and a hoodie, depending on the weather here while they're on the road. So it would be Monday night in New York. But Kyrie Elam would be my scratch right now if the bills had a game and, and if they only kept three corners outside corners um on their 46 man game day roster that's how far i think he's fallen right now it's disappointing i i had such high hopes for him going in after how he finished last year it's just it's it's he has not lived up to expectations yet and it's it's utterly disappointing he can you know he's 
and it, he can turn it around. Yes. It just doesn't look good for me right now uh, at this point. The other thing to Latavius Murray, I thought, by the way, he looks yep. good. I, I've said this before the preseason game. I've liked him at camp. He's so much bigger than Damian Harris or James Cook. James Cook looked good too, obviously. Um, I think Latavius Murray can end up being the primary backup to uh, to, to James Cook. He's he's consistent. He's he's big. He he's been healthy for his career. Where that you can't say that with Damian Harris. We'll see how that plays out. But anyway, we're going into this Pittsburgh game before we talk Sabres here for a few minutes. I feel like. We, 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 we've had on the biggest points, but would you agree it's pretty much we need to see more from Kyle Allen? That's an important takeaway or, or thing that we're looking for on Saturday. If we both want to see if Osiris Torrance gets another start at right guard, uh, I think that'll be very telling. And for these corners, I, I just think for, for Dane Jackson, or not for Dane Jackson, for, for Benford and for Elam, I almost feel like if, if, if your goal is to start this year, it's almost do or die. You agree with that at this point? Yeah, I mean, I, I think those are the main pieces that you're going to be watching on Saturday. The other, just real quick, the other player that really stood out to me, Dorian Williams. He's a legit player, and I know like he played in the depth role behind Matt Milano, but he was giving me like Tremaine Edmonds vibes a bit. I, I mean, not fully there, but he he was in the right position all the time. He's a hard hitter. He's a big dude. I didn't know he was that big either. It's just, I, I was very impressed with him on the field. I would, I know that they were saying that he's going to be playing the outside linebacker position yeah. role and grab that position, lock it down. But with his athletic abilities, I'm, I'm, I don't know who said it, but they gave me the idea. So I can't even credit them, but Matt Milano and Dorian Williams on the field at the same time, the speed from that linebacker position where that's what you need on defense in this NFL, that would be scary. I'm not saying it's going to happen anytime soon, but you know, just, just tossing that idea out there for the future idea is just those two, the speed that they provide, it would be, it would be fun. Good take on Dorian Williams. I thought he was excellent on Saturday and I'm still not happy that the Bills used the guy that they they view right now anyway as a backup outside linebacker that you took them in your third round. But I will say this. What I saw from him on Saturday excited me enough that let's just say that you're wrong and he doesn't get on the field, at least not this year anyway, with Milano. If something happens to Matt Milano and the way that crazy ass dude plays football, that could happen. You know, he gets banged up and bruised. He might miss a game or two. I'm I'm feeling more and more comfortable that if Milano has to go out of the lineup, that Dorian Williams can at least do it. He's not going to be Matt Milano. Matt Milano is an all-pro linebacker, one of the best in the whole NFL. But I'm starting to feel more and more confident in what I'm seeing from Dorian Williams that, you know, it's not going to be like going off a cliff to drop off between the two. So that definitely uh, gives me hope. But at the same token, to your point, I'm kind of like, why did this team recognize, you know, his range and the way he can make plays? Because maybe if he would have done that a little bit earlier, you might be having a conversation about Dorian Williams going to the middle sooner than later. You know what I'm saying? Because I also think that and like that about him as well. I got those vibes too. Yeah, it might just be a little too late if they took him out of the competition yeah. a bit too early. He might be your starting middle linebacker in 2024. Right. Who, who, who the hell knows? And again, the way the Bills are going to play defense this year, Sean McDermott is calling the plays. Who the hell knows what they're going to be doing? At least in obvious passing situations. Maybe he does get on the field more than we think and maybe uh me you know my very uh angry takes about the bills drafting an outside linebacker in round three would end up being a dumb take on my end which wouldn't be the first time 
All right, before we get out of here, uh, some Sabres talk real quick here. I just got basically one question for you for today. And as the weeks go on, I have you on the show more and we get closer to the season, we'll kind of like deep dive into some of these topics a little more. But somebody brought up a really good point to me during a conversation when it comes to the Buffalo Sabres and what they've done this summer. Uh, they, they they signed two guys, two defensemen, Connor Clifton and, and Eric Johnson, two veteran defensemen who should help. Um, they'll help show up the blue line. They'll help on the penalty kill. So those are nothing. You know, that's not nothing. They they have made additions to the team. But do you feel like Kevin Adams has done enough right now? If you're a Buffalo Sabres fan, and, and we are, and your, your hope and your expectation this year is to make the playoffs, not your hope, your expectations to make the playoffs this year, are you worried that they didn't do more like adding uh, a veteran forward maybe or trading, especially for a goalie? It, it feels to me, at least some people think, that Kevin Adams is re- going to rely too, maybe too much on the young guys to, to really continue to develop and be able to step their games up a lot more this year. Guys like, say, Peyton Krebs and uh, who, who's the other guy that was up? Um, J.J. Paterka, you know, to name a few. Those guys are going to have to take that next step for this team to be successful, not to mention the goalies, of course. What, what's your take on this? Do you think the Sabres have done enough to, to, to make the playoffs this year, on paper anyway? I am a little hesitant based on the – I wasn't expecting them to go ham in, in the free agency. Right. It's not Kevin Adams' mantra to do that. I, I like the Clifton signing. He seems more like a, a, th- a third-pairing defenseman who I think is probably going to be pushed up to play You know the second pairing with Owen Power. I mm-hmm. wish they would have – it's been two years now. They haven't found a partner for Owen Power yet. That's mind-boggling to me. It just it, he is putting all his eggs into multiple baskets here. The four group, who was unbelievable last year, but you had guys that had career years in Tage Thompson, Skinner, Tuck, Cousins, Middlestad. You're relying on all those guys to come back and do similar things. Then you're relying on guys like JJ Paterka and Peyton Krebs to have you know, that next step of a, uh, of, uh, in their, uh, development process, you already lost Jack Quinn for it through December, probably yeah. hopefully he's back by January. I think they were, I was expecting him to be 20 plus goal scorer coming into the season. And that's sure. why we're stuck with Victor Olofsson to stay in the lineup. Defense is going to be better. Like you said, they have to be, they can't be as bad as last year. There's no way they're being as bad as last year. Cause you push Yoki, hire you down to the third pairing. You got Bryson out of the lineup. It's not half there's, they can't be as bad as last year. My biggest issue, and that was going into free agency and going into the trade market. What happens if Levi is not ready to be your 1A goalie? UPL, I don't think, can be the guy. I I said, if he can develop into the number one with somebody else, that's fine. Comrie, I think, is a perfect third goaltender. I just, I am so worried that I, I think what you saw to Levi, he has the potential to do it. But what happens if he's not ready to one carry the load or two falters? You don't have somebody that's reliable behind him. You don't have that veteran presence behind him that can come in and play 30, 40 games to give Levi a break. That's the biggest indictment right now that I have on Adams. And again, it's it's the middle of August. He can still go make a trade. It's not out of the realm of possibilities. Sure, sure, just, sure, sure. I, I thought he would have made it by now. And that's my biggest concern is the goaltender position. Again, maybe it's better because the defense in front of him is better. But what happens if your offense is maybe 10th instead of third? Your goal scoring, 
made up for a lot of flaws in your goaltending and your defense. What happens if they take even just a hair of a step? They're still a top 10 goal scoring team. But what happens it, to your your spot in the standings? I know Boston's came back. They've lost two guys to retirements and all that kind of stuff. But you still got to jump one or two teams to make the playoffs. I just I'm that goaltending position is still the biggest thing that I am so worried about. Yeah, I tell you, I'm I'm good with what they did on defense. They added two veterans who are going to bring, like I said, a presence to this roster. Sure, it's nice to want to go out and trade for an Eric Carlson, but that's not going to happen. I'm good with what they did on defense. And I'm even okay. I would have liked another Ford, but I'm all right. I, I, I trust Tage Thompson. I trust Dylan Cousins. I, I I trust that they're continuing to emerge and they're going to get even better potentially. I uh, like Casey Middlestat. Uh, Quinn will be back. I like Paterka. I like a lot of the young guys. I, I think the, the the bottom six is decent. You got guys, which again, maybe he's counting on them. Maybe he's not. Uh, guys like Savoy. Guys like Kulik might be up on this team um, at some point. Rusek. So there's lots of possibilities. I'm okay with the forward group is what I'm saying, but I'm with you, man. The one thing I do not like about this team right now, as it stands, I don't like that they didn't do anything at goalie. I love Devin Levi. He's exciting. He was fun, and he just seems to have that it factor that winners have, that star players have. He seems to have that. I'm pretty confident. But he might not have that this year. You know, it might take a couple years. And if he does struggle or gets hurt, there's not enough sample size with him to say, this is my guy. He's playing 55 to 60 games at least, and we're going to win hockey games with him and make the playoffs. I'm not 100% confident in that yet, and I'm definitely not confident that if something happens to him, you got to go to UPL a lot, that uh, that that's going to work out. Eric Comrie is your Case Keenum, to, to, your, to your point. He's, he's a number three. He's, he's, a, he's a good backup, but he's not the guy you want to put in the pipes a lot. Again, PK, the goal no more is no longer let's contend and be in the playoffs. Let's have meaningful games on St. Patrick's Day or close to Easter. Now it's this team should be making the playoffs. So a little bit early, and, and you're right. Maybe they see something in camp, and they're like, you know, we got to go get ourselves a veteran. Or maybe even early in the season. You know, the season starts, and something happens, and they're like, yeah, we, we need a veteran presence. They can still make a trade. Just right now, that's the one mistake, the one thing I don't like about what Kevin Adams has done with this team is, is yeah, go get a goalie, a veteran goalie, and they don't have that right now. I just, I hope going into going into the actual season, we don't have a three-headed monster back there because that doesn't do anybody good, not just in games, but in practice too. There's two yeah. nets. There's not three nets. You're, somebody's going to be losing time in practice, and that hurts, especially with, even if you want to throw UPL in there, they're still developing. The practice time is critical. You can't have three goalies on the roster, especially in practice time, because it's it's taking away practice time from the guys that actually need it. And I I think Comrie can get down to Rochester. It's just <laughs> do I, I don't trust UPL to be the backup of Levi. It's just it's that simple. I I wish they would go out and do something else. And I'll tell you, the season will be uh, you know it'll be coming here soon, and, and I'm looking forward. It's a nice change of pace. I used to lament having to talk Buffalo Sabres on this podcast. It felt like a necessary evil and I hated my life after episodes, but this is an exciting team, uh, a team to be reckoned with. They should be a force to be reckoned with anyway. And uh, now we'll, we'll have plenty of time to talk uh, Sabres. So before we get out of here, a couple of times you've been on the show, we're going to continue that today. We do this little segment called personally PK. Uh, it's just like three questions that I'm going to ask you three kind of like fun facts to give fans, people who are watching or listening to the show, just an opportunity to know a little bit more about you besides just what we talk about 
with Bills, Sabres, and, and other sports stuff uh, on this show. So I got three questions for you today. Number one, if you could spend one day with a celebrity, who would it be? This one is not even a struggle for me. Yep. Ryan Reynolds, hands down, no question. He's a man. He's just a masterpiece. He's funny. He's a family man. One day would be an all-timer for me. You might get a chance to meet Blake Lively. You might get a chance to meet Will Ferrell. You might get a chance to meet Hugh Jackman. The guy, he just, I don't, I don't know what he is like when the cameras are off, but he just seems like one of those guys that when the cameras are on, he's the same way when the cameras are off. He just seems like a genuine, nice guy. I love the, the Wrexham series that he has. He went out and bought that team. He's just all over the map. I, I think he was in for the Ottawa Senators as well. I was hoping he was going to have that. So I had more reason to talk about Ryan Reynolds, but hands down, no question. One day, live out a fantasy and live out a dream meeting Ryan Reynolds and just hanging out with him for a day. Just, I would love it. That'd be cool. I never thought of him. Mine is, and I know half of this is going to make me sound like creepy and obsessed. And I am with her. Jennifer Lawrence. I am a huge Jennifer Lawrence fan. I think she's absolutely gorgeous. I think she's an incredible actress. So it would be for that. That'd be half years. But I'll tell you the other half, dude, I seen her on uh, that show on YouTube, hot wings or the hot ones where they eat the wings and they have conversations. I've seen her in lots of like uh, sit down interviews and she's just, she's funny as hell. She seems like the most down to earth person for who's stunningly hot and absurdly rich in Hollywood. I just, I would have a lot of fun. I, I would love to obviously to just meet her and, and be able to sit down and kind of hang out with her today. I, I feel like she would uh, make anybody laugh. So I say Jennifer Lawrence, PK says Ryan Reynolds. All right. Second one here. Not as exciting. Your favorite school lunch. What was your favorite school lunch when you were a kid? So there was for a month or two period during my freshman year at high school, there was a thing called a taco bowl. I don't know what happened to it. It was very rare. It was only there for like September and October. And I don't know if they got priced out. I don't know if they blew all their budget on it. It was amazing, but it went away. So I, I think I, I would cheat myself if I said that one, but my whole schooling life, it was homemade pizza and it's not, it, it, it was, I think it was because of when you ate it, that it just hit differently. It's yeah. nothing like a restaurant pizza. No. It's, it's nowhere even near that ballpark. But when you're sitting through science and English and you're looking forward and then you see the lunch schedule and it's homemade pizza, it just hits differently. And you go there and you enjoy it and you go, okay, I can do the rest of my school day. Cause I just had this homemade pizza. It was, it, again, it was it was doughy and there was probably too much sauce on it. It was probably too greasy, but that, that was the thing that got me through the rest of the day. It's like, okay, I can get through my Spanish class. I can get through the rest of the English, even though I don't understand half of what I'm understanding here. It was just that homemade pizza just hit differently when you're trying to get through that till the three o'clock bell. It's a tried and true thing for, for high schoolers. And listen, I went to school many, many years before you. But even back in the day for me, pizza was one of the few things that I would actually get to school lunch for. Because my answer is this. God, I'm feeling so old saying this. Chocolate milk and peanut butter cookies. They used to be 20 cents a piece when I was in high school. And I used to get a dollar a day from my, my mom and dad or whatever. And I'd go to school with a dollar. I never actually would buy a school lunch. Like, you know, whether it was pizza or hot dogs or whatever. Every day of the week, I bought three peanut butter cookies and two little things of chocolate milk for $1, 20 cents a piece. So mine was peanut butter cookies 
and chocolate milk, which is not even a real meal. Maybe that explains why I've eaten so freaking unhealthy my entire life and why I am uh, like I am right now. But yeah, man, that's me uh, going back to school. All right, one more here. Those containers of chocolate milk, mm, though, those so little ones, unbelievable. They're, yeah. they're so You can't find the chocolate milk anywhere else. Yeah, they're so good, man. Oh, my God. And I'm thinking about them right now. All right, last one. What, what did you want to be when you were a kid? When you were a kid, when you said, you know, somebody said, what do you want to be when you grew up? What, what was your answer? I was one of those kids that actually stupidly thought, hey, I could go play basketball against 6'9", 6'10 players. <laughs> um, my height and my skill level maxed out drastically. Like, I'm lucky if I'm 5'8". My license says I'm 5'8", so I, I claim I'm 5'8". I need shoes on to be 5'8". Uh, I actually went to college for criminal justice and I wanted to be a part of a canine unit, but oh, wow. school wasn't my thing. My GPA reflected that and that eliminated that possibility. So that went out the drain, but those were my two things. I mean, growing up, even through maybe like sixth or seventh grade, stupid me still thought there, there's a chance, you know, I can, I can be like Jason Kidd in the NBA. And then I just didn't grow anymore. And my skill level just didn't take off anymore. So that, that was the end of that. You know, I don't, I'm not going to get too into it because I've kind of talked about this before for myself anyway, but, you know, I wasn't the smartest kid, but I was smart enough when I was a kid to know, like every kid, you know, every, every, every boy in the neighborhood wanted to be the center fielder for the Yankees or whatever team they liked, or, you know, be, be the star wide receiver or quarterback or whatever. I knew even when I was a very young kid and I was a pretty good athlete. I mean, I wasn't a bad athlete, but I knew I was never going to be a pro. You know, I just, I. For whatever reason, I'm done with a lot of things, but I looked at my family and I'm like, I'm not going to grow up and be this big, you know, strong, strong ass kid. It's just not going to be for me. Played sports, but I knew high school is going to be my ceiling for those. So anyway, love sports. Obviously. I, I wanted to be a writer. I always wanted to be a, a, a sports writer. Um, I would mess around doing fake broadcasts, trying to be, you know, doing a little TV stuff as well, too. Those are the things that I remember. But yeah, like I said, I'm done with a lot of things. But even when I was like 10, 11 years old, I'm like, yeah, well, I'm not going to be playing Major League Baseball. So, yeah, I didn't, I didn't get that information. I, I probably should have stuck with baseball. My dad's actually in the Western New York hall of fame for slow pitch softball or fast pitch softball. One of the two. Oh, oh, wow. Really? He, he, yeah. He claimed that I could have been a very good baseball player. I just didn't like it. And I think it still haunts him and hurts him. And I think he tears up every night to this day that he didn't end up having a baseball player to his family. (laughs) He got a volleyball and a basketball player, which I guess is I played sports, so I, I'm sure he's happy about that. But I think it still kills him inside that I never stuck with baseball. I think I quit around fourth or fifth grade, something like that. I went to one practice and went, just isn't fun anymore. And I went to play summer soccer. Baseball could be really boring. If you don't have a passion for it, it it's almost impossible to watch. Even if you do have a passion, it can be hard to watch sometimes. But it, even playing it, if you, if you don't like the sport, it, it's not the most exciting sport. So I completely understand it. All right, guys, that's going to do it. For today, make sure you follow PK on Twitter at PK underscore BSC. Check out the Buffalo Sports Collective. I truly do, man. I love that show, especially when it gets to be around uh, Buffalo Bandit season. PK is going to be on here and there throughout the season with football. Hopefully, is he? I don't know if he knows this yet, but he's going to be he's going to be on you know once or twice a month throughout uh, Bills season, Saber season. So we'll, we'll have plenty to talk about. I always appreciate you on the show, buddy. Thank you very appreciate much. Appreciate it. Man. Always fun. All right, guys, and I will be back again live from Imperial Pizza Thursday night. Elena Getzenberg from ESPN and uh, Catherine Fitzgerald from the Buffalo News. Talk to you then.